trying to be great And I'm on my way Way up, way up, way up It's never too late And I'm on my way I'ma leave my mark Ready, set, go Ready, set, go with so much negativity being yielded at the youth of our nation, it seems hard to find any signs of a bright future. Coming from a legendary past, the new generation of Bahamians seek to take this nation to heights it's never seen. That's where the youth perspective comes in. We seek to display tomorrow's leaders in every facet of society. Each show will focus on today's pace-setters, trendsetters, movers and shakers, and the next generation of great, impactful Bahamians. We seek to uplift, motivate, and encourage our listeners. Tune in as we address issues of importance with wisdom and intelligence, all from the youth perspective. And we're back. Welcome to another edition of the Youth Perspective. Yours truly, Kashigan Jamal, in your company, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you so much for tuning in each and every Saturday right here on 1540 AM. 104.5 FM, the national voice of the Bahamas, and inspiration, 107.9 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a great show lined up for you, and uh, we do have an international guest uh, on this edition of the Youth Perspective. So I want you to sit back and relax wherever it is you may be listening to us from, uh, and uh, we thank you so much for joining us. So I want to give a little bit of an introduction uh, to our guests, and of course, she goes by the name. Well, let me start off with her title first and foremost. Uh, she is the UN independent expert on foreign debt, uh, other financial obligations, and human rights, Atia Warris. And of course, she joins us this evening. She's all the way from Kenya, and she took up the function of independent expert on the effects of foreign debt and other related international financial obligations of states on the full enjoyment of all human rights, particularly economic, social, and cultural rights, on August 1st, 2021. She holds a PhD in law and is a specialist in fiscal law, policy, and development. Ms. Warris teaches at the Law School, University of Nairobi in Kenya, and has previously taught in South Africa, Rwanda, Malaysia, and United Kingdom. Ms. Juarez has researched and published on global and regional issues. She has published Tax and Development 2013, offering links between tax and human rights. And her more recent publication, Financial Africa, is the first publication globally to map out African fiscal systems. And of course, she joins us this evening on The Youth Perspective. Good evening, Ms. Juarez. How are you doing this evening? Good evening. I am well. Thank you for asking. It's so great to have you on the You Perspective. Your first time, uh, but I believe it won't be your last. I believe you'll join us again uh, in the not-so-distant future. Uh, but I definitely want to say welcome to the Bahamas. Thank you very much. Loving every minute of us here. Awesome, awesome. And you know what's interesting uh, is that you would have uh, just come out of a wonderful uh, press conference uh, where you would have shared... Um, interesting information, and I think that's a great place to start uh, as we have this co conversation this evening um, about your visit and uh, what you discussed in the press conference. So, well, thank you very much. Yes, I, I just had a press conference uh, today here in, in Nassau, 
And I've spent the last 10 days in the Bahamas at the invitation of the government, looking at debt and climate and international finance here, but also trying to understand how the government is able to manage to improve the lives of its people and improve living standards while sort of coping with these disasters, which is, of course, the hurricanes and the increase in hurricanes, but also COVID. And of course, I was looking at Dorian and I managed to go down to Abaco as well for a bit. Mm. And so that must have been an experience to be able to see um, and be able to experience what, what Dorian would have done uh, to, that, to that island. Yes, absolutely. It was actually uh, extremely sad mm. uh, to see foundations of buildings with no buildings on top. And uh, these trees that look dried and withered with no, you know, no head on the top of the, the tree, as it were. Um, it made me very sad that, that four years after people are still not able to build back either, I guess, because of financial uh, difficulties, but probably also because of, you know, mentally not wanting to be back in the space that they went through so much trauma. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I can imagine the toll it's taken on a lot of people if it shook me so much mm -hmm. while I was there. Yeah. And, you know, um, you speak a lot about human rights. And I think here in the Bahamas, uh, we... And sometimes I think may take it for granted um, with persons around the world may experience as far as human rights. Uh, but can you speak to the importance of your platform and, and what it is that you bring and, and really sounding the alarm on human rights and how important it is? So, so I don't look at human rights itself per se, but I look at how money is used to help mm -hmm. countries realize their human rights. Sure. And the example that I love to give is, you know, for you to have a, a policeman or a teacher or a nurse or a doctor that is employed by government, you need to have money in the bank. Right. Uh, government needs to have money to pay for those services mm -hmm. that it then gives to its people. And you could even need to buy, you know, vote paper for your ballot. So it, it's very diverse. And so while we talk a lot about human rights generally and needing to achieve it or realize it, what I look at is how is a country financially capable of realizing it anyway. And I, I often say that that is where you hear the heartbeat. You can tell how committed a government is by how much they spend in different spaces. And so that's what I look at right. is how good these systems are in a country. Uh, yeah, by how much in their budgets that they allocate. Yeah. And you start to see that different countries will have different priorities on where they spend and what they spend on. And it, it takes me back to, you know, Dorian and the hurricane because that's emergency spending. Mm. And very, very important emergency spending and clearly yeah, needs to probably be beefed up from mm. my perspective for where right. I sit. And so for uh, successful countries, countries that are thriving, countries that are doing well, uh, where are you seeing them spending their money? Is it like in education? Is it in youth? Where, where are you seeing it being allocated? So, so the, the human rights framework talks about immediate and progressive realization. Mm -hmm. But in practicality, different countries have different policy priorities. So I have seen countries that spend a lot of money on university, well, education up to and including universities. So universities will be free as well. And I think here they are partially free also. Mm -hmm. 
others will spend a lot on education on on healthcare, okay. and then have very good healthcare systems. But others will prefer to spend more on policing, and that can be good sometimes. But sometimes that can then have a ricochet effect because you know the police sometimes are then not looked at as being very positive because there's allegedly you know too much policing of a state. So it varies, but countries can be pretty much divided into those that prefer to finance like civil and political rights, like freedom of assembly movement, and then others that. Feel like they need to prioritize more economic, social, cultural rights. So, like food, health, education, social security. It's becoming a little fuzzier as time goes by because more and more people are starting to realize that and this would be my thinking, frankly, that you, to to have a good population, you need a healthy population. So, yes. food becomes important, mm-hmm. healthcare becomes important, water becomes important, education then becomes important. So. That's sort of what the lay of the land looks like from a financial perspective. Yeah. And, you know, it's so great when we um, get to have persons such as yourself in the country, uh, because I think the average person would look at the budget uh, of a country and they would say, you know, why doesn't the government put money here and put money there? But I'm sure that it's uh, it's a complicated uh, thing to, to look at it and, and try to meet as many of the needs as possible whilst trying to look five years or 10 years into the future and trying to allocate monies for that. And, and you know, just trying to, you know, give a credence to, to all of the, 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 the aspects of society that needs to be built upon. Yes. And you can imagine after a national disaster or a civil war, for example, housing becomes important. Yes. I think that is why the issue of climate, it's, it's a lot of long-term projection that's going to be required so we see how that goes. And I have a couple of ideas I've shared with government, which I, I can share with you guys as well. Sure. I mean, can, can we can we get a listening ear? I'd, I'd love to hear. <laughs> so I, I think that the youth are key to the long-term planning of a country. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of conversations around brain drain. But what I was looking for, uh, and I did go to a couple of places in Nassau, including a place called Crypto Island. Mm. Uh, and I was looking for where are the young, innovative, dynamic people who can, you know, try and, you know, use technology or the metaverse to make things better. And, you know, I know that nobody really wants to talk about possibly the islands going under, and I hate the thought of it myself. Mm. But that is what the projection is. So if there is a worst case scenario and the islands do go underwater in 25 years from now, we're basically looking at people who are in their teens right now or early 20s who are going to be, you know, mid-career at that point in time. And so I was looking at innovative ways to try and get some kind of technology going. And one of the ideas I've sort of presented to government, which I'm still forming in my mind, so I'd be happy to hear other people try and play further with it, is um, to give every Bahamian national like an NFT uh, a non-fungible token, but it shouldn't be tradable. And it should be a token that will allow government to put money into the NFT and it will therefore increase in value as time goes by. Yeah. But also it can be used to claim back the nationality of the state when the seawater then goes uh, low again. Because I, I, also, I often think sometimes these things could be cyclical. 
So then if you're losing land now, you might get the land back later. So that's like a more long-term thinking I've been playing with. And the other is if you own a piece of land or an asset in the country, then to have an NFT for that item that has an asset value that is ascribed to by government. So like, for example, if it's a title deed for a piece of land, maybe your car, I don't know. And you kind of put the NFT on it, giving it its value. It has no independent value right now as compared to the the title deed of the land. But perhaps in time, once the land goes underwater, then at least you're left with this sort of tradable token online where people could be trading in the value of the land, even though it doesn't physically exist anymore. Mm. But my concern is that this has to be something run by government. It cannot be run by private individuals. And, and it, it needs to be supported by a clear government framework. But I think it would be very exciting. And I think it would protect assets that people own, but it will also protect the youth from that concern that they would have to pay off debt if the island don't exist anymore, you know, 25 years from now. Right. And so if people are still fishing over the waters, you know, you get money out of that, you could pay off a coast guard. And the remainder you give everybody in their NFT accounts. So I, I, I've been trying to figure out ways to protect the youth. Yeah, yeah. And we appreciate you uh, sharing uh, those uh, those recommendations or ideas that you have shared. Uh, and we do know that our Prime Minister, the Honorable Philip Davis, uh, the watchwords, um, I think one of the watchwords, because he's been sharing many things, uh, but climate change. Climate change has been one of the things that he has been uh, really uh, pushing and, and sharing uh, but do you think that we are doing enough? Do you think that there is more that needs to, to, to go? I, I, I know it's kind of a big topic and sometimes persons don't really, if it's not something that's right before us right now, you don't really focus on it. But like I said, you have to think now 10 to 20 years down the road. So how important is climate change and what do we need to do more of? Yeah, so Unfortunately, I did get a chance to meet him, which is unfortunate. And I would have liked to have heard more of his ideas as well. Um, I think that climate change is a real problem. And I think what is the most worrisome part of it is that we're doing scenario planning for something that is so extreme that we're also, you know, hoping will not happen. Mm. So are they doing enough? I, I think they're doing a lot. Mm-hmm. I think they need to do some serious long-term scenario planning. Mm. I, I was not able to see a clear vision of what would happen when if there are dire consequences. And then I think that they are thinking about it. And I hope that they will come up with some ideas. I'm hoping I'll also be able to help them. Because I also think, uh, you know, it, it is a situation that can also make somebody freeze. And I think freezing is, is not an option, unfortunately, anymore. Uh, but I also think that the international community, and this is how I began my press conference, uh, we need more uh, cooperation and assistance at an international level. But we need countries to come together, take responsibility for the fact that they are causing climate change and stop trading in things that will simply you know, buy off tokens or units in a stock exchange somewhere for carbon but actually do things that will allow us to see a lowering of the temperatures in the water and i'm a deep sea diver so you know i went underwater too and yeah it, i was i was worried i'm worried 
like we we always think about what's on the land but we always forget also what's under the water because we don't physically see it standing on a beach uh, we need to be really aware that we're affecting uh, marine life and marine life moves around everywhere mm-hmm. and that also gives me great concern too so I, I think we're moving in the right direction maybe slower than i would have hoped but we i think the country is doing its best yeah yeah definitely and uh, we are almost at the at the end of our talk time. And so yeah. uh, before we get to the end and before I allow you to kind of wrap up, uh, is there anything um, particularly that you wanted to share uh, before we run out of time? Is there anything that you really wanted to share uh, with the listening audience? You know, we have the entire nation uh, listening to us. Every island is locked into the national voice this evening. And so is there anything you want to share before we get ready to wrap up? Well, well, this idea on digitization was something I really wanted to share, especially with the young people. Sure. But the other thing that I noticed that I think is quite important is making sure the country is food self-sufficient mm. is really important. And I have eaten amazing food in this country uh, that is grown only here, like canips and sea grapes and and I and of course the conch. Mm. But I, and I think there's a lot to be done to make sure that the food on the table for the local Bahamas is at a, a level or a cost that is, is manageable for people and that you tap into your fantastic natural resources, which include uh, land that produces beautiful uh, fruits and vegetables, even though it's seasonal, and then fishing. And just to make sure that there is less and less being imported and there is more a return to tradition because I think a lot of these traditions are very, very good. I had the privilege of seeing uh, what is called a banana hole, uh, uh, and I think these traditional techniques of farming are very important. I know that it's this is a labor that people have now not found interesting, but I'd like to encourage young people to to consider other professions apart from the hospitality industry and finance which i think is the two main ones in the country now. yeah and i, I food sustainability is, is so very important i think uh, during the pandemic i think a lot of persons really started to put their eyes uh on that industry and saying you know that we really need to become more self-sufficient and so I do. I do pray that the listening ears tonight uh, will hear uh, what we're sharing, and uh, they will continue to continue to put uh, emphasis in that area. Uh, now, for persons who may want to have greater conversation with you, is there a way to contact you? Uh, are you on any social media that we can uh, connect with you? Yes, I'm on Twitter, uh, Atia Waris. Mm-hmm. It's straightforward, uh, and I'd be happy to have further conversations. And my mandate has a website. It's the UN Independent Expert on Foreign Debt. You can find me online on the UN website. But I'm a Kenyan, mm. and I'm a professor at the University of Nairobi in Kenya. Okay. So if you Google my University of Nairobi page, you will find a lot of the other things I've written on, okay. and you will find a wonderful research group that I'm part of called the Committee on Fiscal Studies. Mm. And we do a lot of fiscal research with an eye towards development. And so before we get ready to wrap up, I did want to discuss with you um, the rate of inflation that we've been seeing, not just here in the Bahamas, but around the world. It seems to be 
affecting a little bit of everything. Food prices, uh, you know, a lot of per- a lot of places around the world are saying that they're having housing crisis because, you know, the cost of rent and, and buying houses are skyrocketed. Uh, so what could we expect here in the Bahamas? We, we're seeing it a little bit with gas. We're seeing a little bit with food. Uh, but do you think it's going to get worse? What are, you, what are we looking at? So the whole world is on an economic downturn right now. Mm-hmm. I was hoping that it would start taking a little bit of an upturn towards the end of this year, but I'm not seeing that still. Mm-hmm. I think if we're lucky, economies will start to recover maybe next year. Uh, or early the year after, which is 2025, which is not a very positive image, but that is unfortunately the direction things are going. However, in countries that have debt, uh, like the Bahamas, what starts to happen is every year when it's time to pay off your interest rates or some of your principal, the government has to scoop money out of the economy in order to pay it. Otherwise, normally the money is sort of circulating and people are using it all the time. And this is times, these are the points in time in a year also when sometimes things become more expensive because it's harder to get dollars to trade with. Uh, of course, here the Bahamian dollar to the US dollar is one to one, but that doesn't mean you'll be able to physically access enough cash sometimes. So these tend to be different types of problems that countries are facing. It then does have this effect on the prices of not only goods, but also of housing because building materials are fluctuating as well. And what you do have coming up, and uh, hopefully it will not be too big of a problem, but you have the end of some of your exemptions and incentives for building materials for Dorian, for example. Mm-hmm. And and so things will become more expensive unless you qualify for the exemptions that are going to be put in place. So in addition to just general inflation, you are going to maybe see in some places an increase in prices anyway as government reorganizes itself. Yeah. So we just... I guess we could do our best to just brace ourselves pretty much as best we can. The whole world has to brace itself. Yes. Right, right, right. Okay. Thank you so much for that. Very interesting. And so uh, for the young persons tonight, uh, is there any encouraging words, uh, any uh, marching orders uh, per se? I know you shared that uh, you would like to see more young persons go into that area of food sustainability. Uh, is there any other areas uh, as you do your research, as you move around uh, countries that you would like to see young people go towards? Yes, I, I also encourage government to set up more uh, innovation hubs. Okay. So I hope they will. And I would like to encourage more people to look at digital systems and, you know, make apps that solve behavior problems. Uh, I don't know. A hurricane safety app, it may already exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the local problems are on the ground, but I think that it's the only local people that can solve local problems. Mm-hmm. And so getting people to think about how to solve local issues, I think, would be really fabulous. So I would encourage people to stay here and not to leave and to build this country, this beautiful country. Um and to protect it and to know that there are people out there like me who are like with you all the way and are ready to support it any way possible. Yeah. All right, indeed. Well, before we let you go, uh, any closing comments you want to share uh, with the listening audience before we get ready to wrap up the show? Just to say that young people are the future and I feel very privileged and honored to have been given this opportunity to speak with you today. Thank you. Okay, indeed. Well, we thank you uh, so much uh, for sharing 
um, with us this evening. And uh, it definitely was a pleasure uh, to be able to have someone of your stature uh, joining us this evening. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the remainder of your stay in the Bahamas. I'm sure I will. <laughs> Indeed. And uh, we were joined uh, this evening by Mrs. Tia Juarez, all the way from Kenya, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and uh, she is the UN independent expert on foreign debt, other financial obligations and human rights. Uh, and of course, we had a tremendous conversation tonight uh, as we talked about the, the many different uh, prongs that she has her hands in and also some uh, wonderful information for our young persons uh, as they look toward the future, as they look toward the things that they want to do uh, in the not so distant future. And so we thank you so much, Ms. Juarez, and uh, we look forward to doing this again real soon. All right. Make sure I give it exactly what you've got, ladies and gentlemen. 1540 AM, 104.5 FM, the national voice of the Bahamas. Inspiration, 107.9 FM. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of The Youth Perspective. It was a tremendous one. I hope that you learned something this evening, and I hope that you take notes uh, on this edition of The Youth Perspective. So make sure, hang tight. Much more is on the way for you. Have a great evening right here on The Youth Perspective with yours truly. I'm trying to be great. And I'm on my way, way up, way up, way up. It's never too late, and I'm on my way. I'ma leave my mark, ready, set, go, ready, set, go, ready, set. I hope you enjoyed another edition of the Youth Perspective. Stay tuned for more interviews, more in-depth conversation, great music as we seek to encourage empower impact and uplift our youth of this nation here on the youth perspective we'll see you next time right here on the youth perspective with capturing jamal